let go of the illusion that it could have been any different. I don't know what wise soul uttered those profound words, but it's the beginning, middle, and end point of so much healing. Today, Judy and I talk about our greatest challenge. Her legacy writing is called, It Should Have Been Me. We discuss her sister's illness and how it affected her development. We get into resilience, flexibility, and Judy's search for self. And then, at the end of our interview, I have Judy retell a story about her sister that has always kind of given me the chills and rather freaked me out. Welcome. This is the Sidetracked Legacies Podcast, and I'm your host, Lisa Hoffman. Do you have ideas and thoughts that you'd like to share with your children or grandchildren? Have you learned some life lessons that might help others? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you need to get it down on paper. The world needs your stories, values, wisdom. We call this legacy work. The Sidetrack sisters have been getting together to write for years, and the topic that we most enjoy writing about is ourselves, who we are, what we've done, and what we believe. Now, we want to extend the invitation for others to join us. So grab a notebook, journal, or laptop and listen in while the Sidetrack sisters share thoughts and tips on how to uncover, communicate, and preserve your stories. So one more quick thing before we dive into today's episode. Please rate and review the Sidetrack Legacies podcast because it will help others find us. And also be sure to subscribe or follow us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to be notified whenever we have a new episode. And now, here we go. Hey, Judy. Hi, Lisa. How are you? I'm doing really well. How about yourself? Great. Oh, I, I'm tired and I've got a kiss <laughs> on my cheek. So Ooh, it was a dance I like weekend. The kiss. And, um, so I'm ready to get back into the role of real life. Um, this, uh, the interviews, the podcasting, the um, working on, on my coaching is is so rejuvenate re, re, rejuvenates me. Re, what is the word? <laughs> Rejuvenating. Oh yes, exactly. Yes. Okay. And yes. Uh, this this craziness of a dance weekend and you know being go 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 is exhausting. <laughs> so well, I'm ready to like. <sighs> talk to people have one had, at a time. <laughs> we've had the pleasure this weekend of taking the bone out of our ham from Easter. And I, we have a split pea with ham soup on the stove and it smells yummy. So when we're done recording tonight, I have dinner to look forward to. Yay. Yay! Yes. <laughs> now I think we talked about this one time you do it with um, dried peas, right? Yes. Okay. So what are your, you do not have, you do not have to soak them. Huh. What are your, what's the ingredients? What do you put in? I, I assume you have your soup bone, you have a little bit of extra ham, you've got your dried peas. What are the other ingredients that you then just cook the snot out of, right? Well, dried peas, carrots, onions, um, celery, <clears throat> and butter. And what you do is you put butter in the pan and let it melt and you cook your onions in that and let those get kind of soft. And then you add the celery and the carrots. And then when those are kind of starting to get cooked a little bit, you put the ham bone in and then you cover that up and you let that simmer for about 90 minutes. With how much water? 
like you cover the ham bone with water. Okay. Okay. And I lied. I forgot the piece. <laughs> go. I'm going where so far we've got carrot, celery, and onion soup. Yeah. And when the, those things are kind of getting ready to go, you put the peas in. Okay. And then you put in the ham bone and you let that cook for about 90 minutes. And then you kind of keep stirring about every half hour, hour. And when the things, the consistency you want it to be, you take the ham bone out and just let it kind of meld together. Okay. So okay. how many hours does this soup take? I'd say I'd allow three. Okay. Yeah. I think three is enough. Okay. Gotcha. I read a recipe one time. It was talking about making bone broth and it was talking about letting your bones um, boil or simmer at least for 10 hours. Yeah. I've seen recipes like that, but this one, we've done it before and this one doesn't call for it and it's really quite good. So I can make you a copy and bring it to you. I would appreciate that. I'll put it in the show notes. That would be awesome. Lovely. Okay. Very good. Well, but that is, of course, once again, I'm saying this regularly, not what our episode is about this week. (laughs) Well, we are called Sidetrack Sisters, not Unfocused Sisters, okay? People are really understanding that. Um, (laughs) So this week, we're talking about our greatest challenge, and there is no challenge to split pea with ham soup. It is just yummy and good and wonderful. And so... um, As it should be. As it should be. And um, when we're talking about our greatest challenge... Your legacy writing is called? It should have been me. <laughs> okay. This is pre- a pretty heavy, pretty heavy topic. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be, but the more I wrote it, the, the I don't yeah. think it was too heavy, but it told it like it was. And I think it, it's very, um, I, I want to say heartwarming. It's very, it's very truthful. You're very it's, truthful. It's truthful mm-hmm. and it's very cathartic, actually. I found it to be. So here we go. Okay. My oldest sister was my idol. I didn't look at her as a role model because she set the bar too high. When I was nine years old, my sister started having strange symptoms. She was in nursing school in Madison at the time, and her doctors couldn't pin down what was happening. She spent months into years visiting doctors with no answers. One Saturday morning, I woke up hearing my father's sobs coming from the living room. Mom was there too, quietly trying to comfort him. They had finally received a diagnosis. Kathy was suffering from multiple sclerosis. In the late 50s, early 60s, very little was known about this illness. My dad continued to sob and I knew his heart was breaking. He said he wished it could have been him. With those words, I felt my heart break. At first, Kathy's symptoms were manageable. She had double vision and wore a patch over one eye. She had numbness on the left side of her body and her balance was seriously affected. By the time I was 11 or 12, Kathy was bedridden. She couldn't get around unless it was by wheelchair. My friends were nervous about coming to my house. This was also the time of the tuberculosis outbreak in the US and parents were concerned that Kathy's illness might be contagious. To make a long story short, Kathy's illness continued to ravage her body. The day after Mother's Day in 1966, Kathy passed away. I had spent nine years caring for her. My parents needed time away on the weekend, so I would stay home and take care of Kathy. This was the greatest challenge I ever have had to face. I have no regrets, only a deeply felt sadness. 
After the funeral, my family went back to a normal life. Mom and dad did some traveling on trips, one through dad's work. My sister Sandy and her husband were raising their family and working hard to reach their goals. I was a senior in high school and had no normal. When Kathy was gone, my purpose was a bit of a mystery. I did well in school, but we had not investigated colleges. Kathy's illness had created a huge financial burden, and I didn't think I could impose any further on my parents. Besides, I had no idea what I wanted to study or what career I wanted to choose. The next several years posed major challenges in my life. I had a marriage proposal, and I thought this might satisfy my emptiness. Marriage had worked well for my parents and for my sister, Sandy. It seemed like a reasonable next step, so I went for it. I had spent my formative developmental years caring for my sister and putting any needs I might have on the back burner. From this situation, I developed a resilience and a flexibility and found that these traits served me well. My greatest strengths became my greatest challenges as I truly did not know who I was or what I wanted in this new life. After two failed marriages, I put myself into therapy. It felt like a very special treat to be able to begin to understand who I was and to begin to form an idea of what I wanted. I found it very easy to say what I didn't want and not so easy to discover what I wanted. It finally came out in my therapy work that I felt it was all right to have lived if I wasn't happy. That was a huge eye-opener for me. As time went on, my skills of endurance, tolerance, empathy, and understanding continued to develop. I found that I frequently fell into the caretaker role. It came very naturally to me. Slowly over time, I began to recognize things that I love to do. I enjoy public speaking. I'm happy when I can help another person find out truths about themselves and work towards solutions. I enjoy sharing life stories with others. I'm energized by doing podcasts and writing with my sidetrack sisters. I think about Kathy and miss her every day. And I have learned to know that she would be pleased that I am happy. My growth has been despite her death and because of her life. RIP, Kathy. And I thank you for my life lessons. Wow. There we go. Just wow. <laughs> Just, yeah. I got a wow again. Yeah, yeah. That's two wows in a row. <laughs> oh, you know, one of the things that I, I wrote down here was that you said it was, um, you know, the, this writing was very real and mm-hmm. cathartic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can see, I can make an assessment about why this writing was cathartic for you. What, why did you say cathartic? You know, I think that this, this all happened back when I was, you know, started, Kathy passed when I was 18. Mm-hmm. So it's been many years ago. And I think there's been many times when I kind of just, forget kind of how it happened and all the different circumstances. And I think by doing this writing, I mean, I didn't want to be too detailed or modeling or anything like that, but I thought it was important to kind of put the experience into into a short writing that would help me remember the details and what I was feeling. 
And I found, you know, once again, my, my pen started doing what I've told you it does before, where it just starts writing. And I don't even think about what I'm writing. And afterwards, I read it and I go, huh, that's really interesting. I can't, you know, a lot of, of uh, stuff that was pretty deep down came out. So that, that's why it was cathartic for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and that's one of the things, because we've been writing for so long, I mm-hmm. don't think that happens for everybody. But I think that what you're describing is, you know, once you let go of that oh gosh, what am I going to write about? Is this going to be good enough? Is this going to be something that other people want to read? Is this, you know, all of that (laughs) self-assessment kind of stuff. And you just Mm -hmm. say, F it. I'm just going to just write it and see what happens. And I can edit later on if I want to. And I don't Mm -hmm. have to if I don't want to either. Once you kind of, you know, get past that self-criticalness, you know, I think wonderful and surprising things like this cathartic experience are able to happen. I agree. You know, you and I back in the beginning when we started writing, I think we both were reading The Artist's Way. Mm -hmm. And she talks in there about doing morning pages, which we've kind of likened to taking out the trash, you know, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I think it does that. But then I think once you're a little bit empty of all the diversions, Mm -hmm. and you get into your writing, I think it does happen. This free writing just kind of takes you, Mm -hmm. I I hate to say it where it's meant to go, but that's kind of how it is, you know, and and you read it afterwards. And I've had many times where I've said, did I write that? Well, (laughs) you know, I kind of like it. Did I write that? And um, I do think that letting go of the judgments and not thinking about grammar, I, I I never worry about spelling. I do spell check at the end. Um, I think it's really helpful. And I think many people who have not done writing would be surprised at how easy it becomes, how free flowing it comes from within us, because I think we all have a story to tell. Um, so what what impact do you think the not only so you kind of told about the impact of the writing process? Um, mm-hmm. What about the fact that you're writing this during a sidetrack sister's time and you know that you're going to be sharing this? Do you think that made it harder to write or easier to write or something that's, else? That's a really good question. And I decided when we started doing the podcast that mm-hmm. one of the things that I felt was necessary for me was transparency. You know, I am what I am. And I think I said this a couple of podcasts ago. If you want to make me out to be a bad person, you can do that real easily. If you want me to be a great person, you can do that real easily. But I am what I am, and I've had the experiences I've had, and I wanted to write it just as it was because I don't think I'm the only one in the world who's had that experience. And if it touches someone else and they're able to um, identify, um, then I've done a good thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, another thing that I was wondering about as you were reading, you said, and that was the most challenging part. I was wondering, was the most challenging part taking care of your sister? Was it the diagnosis? Was it the daily dealing with the illness? What was the greatest challenge in this writing? in this experience that you had, what was the challenge exactly? I 
I think, okay, let me just give them a moment. (laughs) It it was difficult to go through. Mm -hmm. You know, there were a lot of times when I would have liked to have gone somewhere with friends or whatever. And instead I was caring for my sister. But I think that really the most difficult part was that from the time I was nine until I was 18, that was my purpose. And when Kathy passed away, everybody went back to life as normal and I didn't have a normal. And probably the most difficult part was that emptiness that mm. now what do I do? You know, uh, I didn't have I didn't have another thing to replace that. So I, I really had, you know, you and I talked once about creating a vacuum. Well, this vacuum was so big, it could have just like collapsed me. But it was definitely um, difficult to fill that with something meaningful. And like I have said in the writing, it actually took some therapy for me to figure out, you know, (laughs) what was next. But you were 18 when she passed. And Uh, how old were you when you got that therapy, Judy? Oh, I was, I wasn't that old. I was 24, I think. So, you know, it did take a while, Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. I think what really brought it to the surface for me was that I married shortly after Kathy passed, I divorced, then I rebounded into a marriage again, Mm -hmm. and then that didn't go well. I was not happy. It was not the right thing for me. And so when I entered therapy, it was marriage counseling. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. However, the marriage counseling was just too, what's the term? we got too close to the truth with my former husband and he had secrets he didn't want to share. Mm -hmm. And so he basically stood up and exhibited his temper and left the room. Yeah. And at that point, you know, my therapist said, and I think I've said, I feel like I'm repeating myself. I hope not too much, but I said, he said, you realize he won't be back. And I said, yes, I do realize that. And he said, I would like to help you deal with things about you, but we won't be talking about the marriage anymore because he's not here to say his side. Is that okay? And I said, yeah, that was okay. And I went on for another probably year, year and a half. Mm. And Mm -hmm. it was some of the best best talk I had ever had. And, and, you know, he was a really good therapist because he wasn't telling me you need to do this. You need to do that. You know, he was very good, just like you are with your coaching, where he would tease out the Mm -hmm. questions and then you would answer your own questions, but he would ask the questions and then he wouldn't let you brush them off or not come up directly with them he would have you be sure to answer them and if you really couldn't answer you knew what was coming up again next week yeah or he probably also had other ways to ask you kind of go if you can't go in the front door to answer the question he knew windows (laughs) and side doors to to get to the truth that you needed to because chances are he knew but that wasn't the valuable part of your session. The, the valuable part was you discovering what I you needed knew. to know. I needed yeah. to know. That's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And what happened, I think, just through that, that therapy is he, he did. He opened me up. And I had to be real careful after that, because when you get that open, you can be pretty vulnerable. Mm-hmm. 
but he did open me up to some some very positive actions mm-hmm. um, in the future after that. And I really felt it was the first time I'd ever been totally honest with myself mm. and where I didn't feel that I had to have a man in my life. I had to be married. I had all that to do. No, right. I, I didn't. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it was it was really a positive time for me. And I know that sounds crazy because well, it sounds people- like it was a real time of growth. And I think that is a very exciting time for lots of people. And that's something with Sidetrack Sisters. We're trying to say, you know, if you're a, a sweet young thing in your 20s, those times of growth and exploration are fresh and interesting. Mm-hmm. But we need to continue having those times because we continue to change as people and we need to mm-hmm. continue digging deep into our psyche and into our souls to figure out what's right for us even now. Well, and there were also some things that, you know, after the therapy ended, I was fortunate enough to be involved in some circumstances where I, I learned to meditate. Mm-hmm. I added mindfulness to my life. I learned we actually, I actually did my first dream board ever. Really? Huh. Do you and, still have it? And, yeah, I do. It's really kind of tattered and torn, but I still have it. Mm-hmm. And many of the things on the dream board mm. happened. Um, it was pretty interesting. And one of them was down the road, not right then, but down the road. You know, I met Michael, met up with Michael again. He had been in my life before, but just as a friend, a passing friend, and ended up in this really positive marriage and all that kind of thing. So it it was interesting how, you know, I was reading something about meditation just today, and they were talking about the benefits of it and how deep and how strong they are. And I thought, you know, I mean, I can walk into a room where people are sitting and meditating and I can sit down and just be quiet. And within two minutes, I'm into kind of a meditative state. Yeah, I'm I'm there. And you feel like a million dollars when you get out. And I'm hoping people out here aren't going, oh, you know, that's it's not like that. Come on, Judy. I I love woo woo people. Well, I think we both do, but, you know, I mean, I don't care if it's five minutes or 20 minutes, you know, it really does help us to sit down and it isn't so much about emptying your mind. It's more about focusing, just focusing your mind Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's going to stray a bit, but just bring it back to focus. And that training is huge, 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 huge. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, so another question for you, I know we, we don't have a ton of time here, but there is, since we've, I've, I've thought that the subject of your older sister, Kathy and her illness would come up previously. And Mm -hmm. I just really want to get on record another story that you've never actually written about, but I've heard on a couple of occasions. And that story that I want you to relate right now is that one where she woke up and walked. Oh, okay. So this is just such a um, a goosebump story. So start at the beginning, share the story. And um, I will, I want to hear it. Kathy had been bedridden for a couple of years at this point, and we had moved her bedroom down to our dining room because we didn't want to have to have her do steps, okay? She really couldn't negotiate steps very well. 
And one night we were all asleep upstairs, my mom and dad and Sandy and I, and we could hear Kathy calling my mother, mom, mom. And she sounded frantic. And my mother, I heard my mother under her breath say, she sounds awfully close. And I hopped out of bed and she ran to the top of the stairs and down halfway and she could see, now you have to understand, Kathy had not walked for over two years. She couldn't keep her balance. She had no ability to walk on her own. She had to be transported by wheelchair. She was walking across the living room and we could hear her say, oh, she's not gonna come. I'm gonna have to go back to bed. And my mother, just completely shocked, said, Kathy, just like that. And Kathy turned around and looked at her and she fell and she couldn't get up. And we all went, whoa, what was that about? You know, if you can walk in your sleep, why can't you walk when you're awake? And, you know, to this day, I really have to wonder what was that about? And, you know, maybe it happens in other illnesses, but I've never heard of it before. Have you? Nope. No, 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 neither me. And yeah. And like I say, she had been unable to walk for at least two years, if not more. Mm -hmm. And, um, it just kind of blew us all away. And we told the doctor about it. And basically he just said, Oh, well, I don't know. Like, you know, it was, but it was such a different time. You know, Mm -hmm. we needed a detective, someone that would really dig in and see what the psychological meaning of all that was. But, (laughs) you know, doctors, this, this was our, our old at home doctor. And, you Mm -hmm. know, he used to come to the house with his little bag. If we had the, sn- did he really have the sniffles? Oh yeah. He was a great <laughs> guy, but he wasn't one to go deep into a, an illness like this. And she was mm-hmm. even in nurses training when she became ill and, and did not mm-hmm. find a support system to figure all this out. So yeah. Isn't that a fascinating story? I, I, I mean, I think the first time I ever heard that story, I was a kid and um, I can just remember thinking how it made me feel how little we actually understand life and how things work and our minds and the connection with our body. As I'm saying this, I remember now that she was having a dream. She explained she was having a dream. She could remember this. And my middle sister, your mom had, had a boyfriend and she didn't like that boyfriend. Kathy didn't like the boyfriend. (laughs) And in her dream, he was in her room and she couldn't get him to leave. And he was just kind of standing there being obnoxious. And so she came to get mom to get rid of him. Okay. (laughs) And I, I mean, even though it was, you know, it was a logical reason, it was still a very logical uh, activity for her to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't make sense. Mm-mm. And it was, yeah, scientifically or medically impossible, you know, supposedly, yeah, you know, exactly. yeah, it, it makes you wonder mm-hmm. how much of your bodily function is really controlled by your body and how much is, controlled, is controlled by, by, by your head. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And it was, it was really something else. <laughs> 
I used to love Rod Serling in the Twilight Zone. So, yeah, <laughs> it was one of our main programs to watch together. You know, you can oh. still watch all those episodes on YouTube. I know, I know. Yeah. I know if I started watching them, I'd never stop. So oh, I haven't I even gone there. I wonder yeah. how many episodes there are of Twilight Zone. Oh, I've got a couple hundred. Talk about a rabbit hole you could go down, huh? Yeah, yeah. I can actually remember <laughs> there were a couple about writers that one about this person living their life and they kept hearing this tap, 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 tap in their head. And just, it was part of their life. And anyway, long story short, at the end, they found out that they were just the pawns in a writer's story and everything the writer would, would do was what they were living. And, but they were conscious living people. They weren't just characters in his story. Do you see the uh -huh. dimension yeah, that was yeah, there? Exactly. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it was pretty interesting. And he'd, he'd rip it out of the typewriter and he'd typewriter. That's how long ago it's yes. been. And he'd wad up the paper and he'd throw it on the floor and then he'd start again. And in the story, this person would go back to where they started and do it again, you know, kind of a groundhog's day. <laughs> It was just really interesting story. Oh, yeah. I'll have to yeah. look at that one. I don't, I yeah. don't remember that one. There are a few that I, I do wish remember. I could remember the name of it. I'd send you right, the right direction, but anyway. <laughs> yeah. Cool. yeah. Okay, Judy. Strange. This was strange a, dimension we're in. a fascinating um, <sighs> writing that we had. I can't wait to talk to you um, in a couple of days about my writing and my uh, greatest challenge, because these are all, like I said, pretty deep. I hope the next time we get together and write, it's a little bit lighter. Um, yes. But um, this is, I mean, I just feel like there's so much meat to this and it's so mm -hmm. fun and so important for us to get this down. So thank you very much. Well, I agree with you. I feel like it's, we've had a lot of silly, funny ones, mm -hmm. but this one, this one touched some nerves and, and that's okay. That's Beautiful. okay. Yes. It's all about the legacy, right? It is. And, okay. and getting it down on paper, because it doesn't matter if you've got a great story to tell if you don't record it. Um, right. So both, you know, doing this podcast and just putting it down um, is the important part because, you know, I, I, does Matthew know that story about Kathy walking? I don't think so. I My point exactly. So. And yeah. so, and really, he, I mean, knowing Matthew, he'd probably go, I, I don't know if it would really even touch a nerve at him at this point in his young life. At this point, maybe not, but uh -huh. as he gets older, it might get real interesting. You know? yeah. 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 I think it's a, I think it's a great possibility. So I like to give him that opportunity. Right. And that's, that's what legacy writing does. It, it will provide yeah. that, that, that information and that wisdom for when he's ready for it. Well, I can't wait until we put all these writings from January 1st together and publish our first book. We'll yes. have to talk about that on another talk. Okay? We will. There's a little um, foreshadowing. Exactly. A little, little teaser there. <laughs> teaser, teaser. What's next? Okay. Love you, Judy. We'll talk to you later. Love you too. See okay. you soon. Yep. Bye-bye. And before we call it a wrap, I just want to say that I would absolutely love to hear from you. If you have any questions about what we talked about today or any other topics that you would like to see addressed on the podcast, just go to the Sidetrack Sisters page or the Sidetrack Legacies group on Facebook. We would love to engage with you and grow together on this legacy journey. Don't forget, if you like what you heard, please, please be sure to leave a review for us on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. 
And also, be sure to subscribe or follow us to be notified of new episodes. So, that about does it. Thank you so much for listening today. Our goal for this podcast is to inspire you to look at your own life, tap into the memories, find the wisdom, and write it down as a legacy for your loved ones. Until next time, take care.